0: everyone welcome back to holistically us if you are joining us for the first time bienvenidos and welcome to our community audio space my name is nancy and my name is Myra, and together we are holistically us
1: this is a space where we encourage everybody to be holistically themselves for today's episode we want to share with you how acupuncture works
0: we get asked this question a lot all the time and no, the needles don't have medicine on them. <laughs> have you gotten asked this question? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're like, les pones medicina? Or, you know, and I'm, in my head, I just think about like the blow darts. And I'm like, yeah. no, I'm not sitting there with acupuncture needles, like rubbing them on frogs' backs and then like putting them in people's bodies.
1: Well, and they're not even hollow. Them, Like they, they don't have a way to be able to be filled with anything. Oh, but yeah, they're not blow darts. They're not filled with, like, poison. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh my- I mean, that wouldn't be <laughs> that wouldn't be healing, girl.
1: <laughs> that's how they do it. And, like, that's what I learned in Costa Rica. You use blow darts. Like, you literally dip, like, these big spikes in, like, poison. Well, back in the day, they did that. Wait, but for healing? No, not. Well, actually, great question. Possibly.
0: I don't know. Mira, that's for another episode, yo no sé. Another episode, That's not my area. not this one. (laughs) (laughs) But good question. But the answer to ours is no, the acupuncture needles do not have medicine on them or in them. (laughs) No, they do not. Uh, Taking all that that into account, uh, today's episode, we want to talk about how does acupuncture work? We want to give a little bit of the uh, Eastern perspective as well as the western perspective. Um, so I will start off by sharing how the Chinese medical perspective looks at acupuncture. Um, and I do want to say that this is a big topic to take on. The medicine is over 2,000 years old and it took us four years to Get our master's and doctorate. So for us to really do it justice in, what, like 30 minutes is not yeah. enough time. Not enough time. But we're going to try our best. Um, acupuncture originated from studying live bodies and the rhythm of nature over 2,000 years ago. At the root of the medicine, it is really all about balancing yin and yang. And here's where I want to say that it is a pet peeve of mine now that it is not yin and yang. It is pronounced yang. So now we know. <laughs> <laughs>
1: now we can do better.
0: <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> But this notion of balance really came about from studying and observing nature and how the world the world changes with the seasons. This is when it was observed that there is yin within yang and yang within yin. Meaning that there can't be one without the other and too much of one can lead to disease and too little of one can also lead to disease. So for example we think about rest. If we rest too much And there's not enough movement in the body then that can lead to stagnation that can lead to disease if we are we have too much movement in our life and we're always go 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 but we don't give ourselves enough time to rest then that can also lead to disease and this is why the concept of balance is really heavy in the medicine and also in our intakes that we have with our patients Uh, Chinese medicine deals with what we call channels or pathways and the question is well how were these discovered and there's two main theories the first theory is that points came first and then the channels so centuries of studying tender points on the body during the course of a disease and how they help someone heal led to the discovery of acupuncture points Um, so I don't know if sometimes when you, for example, get a headache, you start rubbing your head and you notice that a certain point feels good and it makes it feel less intense. So the idea is that something like that is like, oh, well, why does this point do that? And then by studying different people that also had headaches, they were like, oh, this point is on everybody and everybody gets relief. So that's an idea of how the points came about. So, then once these points were discovered, uh, there's points that have similar characteristics in what they do in the body. And so, it's believed that these points were gathered and grouped together and then followed through the body, and that's how the channels came about. That's one theory. The next theory is that the channels came first and then the points. So through massage and meditation, people that just meditated on the medicine and the body, this led them to discover the channels and then the points came later. So this was actually confirmed with the discovery of a book that was excavated in in the Western Han tomb. Um, And in this book, 11 pathways or channels were described, but there's no reference to any points. So there's a school of thought that, bel- that believes that the channels came first and then the points. So this is, these are the theories behind how the channels came about, but okay. So there's channels and how does that work? So what channels do is that the channels transport chi and chi is energy or life force. And they also transport blood to every part of the body And that provides nourishment, energy, and warmth to our tissues. So if we look at the body like a plant, every organ has a channel. And the organ is the root, and the channel is the stem. And the different body tissues are the flowers. So, for example, the heart would be the root the heart channel that runs down the arm to the hand is the stem and the tongue is considered the flower of the heart. So this is where we can also see a little bit of the energetics of things because the Shen or the spirit lies in the heart. And so when somebody, for example, is angry, we say they have a hot tongue, right? Um, and that is like, the energetics of the heart coming out and so we would work on the heart to help with the anger so that's just one example so if we look at how the organ is the root the channel is the stem and the tissues that it touches are the flowers then this is how we're able to help with different things within the body depending on the point so for example if we work on the heart channel, and the heart channel runs down the, the arm and to the hand. That is how we're able to help with issues with the organ itself, with the spirit of the heart, with somebody who comes in with elbow pain, pinky pain, or something like a swollen tongue. The next thing is that channels also work like barriers to prevent disease from getting deeper into the body. The body is going to do whatever it needs to do in order to prevent any disease from getting into the organs. So these channels work like barriers. And based on the patient's symptoms is how we know how deep something has gone into the body. An example of this is when we see patients and they say that they have caught a cold. So if they come in and they say, oh, I'm experiencing chills, then we know that's something that is more superficial. So it hasn't gone deep into the body yet. If a patient comes in and they say, I have a sore throat, then that, that means that the disease is going a little bit deeper. Then if the patient comes in and they say, oh, I feel gurgling in my lungs, then now that disease has gone into the body and it is affecting the organ itself, which in this case would be the lungs. If you want to come in to see your acupuncturist, as soon as you start feeling these symptoms so that we can, it's easier for us to treat and it takes less treatments normally and we don't have to work with channels that are... Um, I don't want to say deeper because it's not. The, it doesn't mean that the needle's going to go in deeper. It just means <laughs> that it's more involved, right? Right. Yeah, isn't it
1: fascinating though? How like Chinese in the Chinese perspective, they they came up with this whole theory of how it goes deeper. But like you can, like you just explain it so beautifully. How if you are having chills, it's superficial. I find that so fascinating.
0: And- no, yeah, no, and it is really fascinating. Because as well, for me coming from a very Western my heavy mindset, when I started acupuncture school, and they said, Oh, these symptoms, if you hear this, this and this from patients, this means it's more superficial. And to think that the medicine is over 2000 years old, and all these people were observing the body and different diseases and writing down all the symptoms and now we know this and this and this leads to this disease and the level of death that, that it's at in the body. Crazy.
1: Yeah, crazy. Amazing. And also how many people that they watch and like how much data is there really? We use all this information that they literally took so many years ago. It's amazing.
0: Yeah. And that's why I'm so surprised that the medicine doesn't have more respect in, in the West Right. Because it's not like it's something that just started a hundred years ago, two hundred years ago. It's two thousand years old. And it has all this, like you said, data and information that's backing it up. And it's something that
1: you can you can understand even with like a Western background, right? Chills versus like a sore throat versus like now we're gurgling and it's in the lungs. That's very like western but it's Mm -hmm. really understandable like that too so
0: yeah and the other thing i wanted to share is that through the channels we're also able to see if uh something is actually happening with the organ itself um so an example of this is if we think of a heart attack right a common a common symptom is if you feel pain running down your arm and that the the what is it, the pathway that that pain follows down the arm is actually the heart channel. So there yeah. you see that combination of how the Chinese medical perspective also falls in line with the Western medical perspective.
1: I find that so fascinating because yeah, it's a channel, it's the heart channel.
0: <laughs> yeah. And of course, guys, I just want to say that this i'm trying to make it we are trying to make it as simple to understand as possible there's so much that goes into it and it's just not a possibility for us to fully go into the complexity of all the points and the channels and the medicine and i hope that this is helpful and it sheds some light as to how it works Okay, Maida, but now you tell us how the Western medical perspective sees acupuncture. All right, everybody.
1: So I'm going to try to explain it very um, as clear and concise as I can. But again, like Nancy mentioned, this is really hard to kind of just go over in one episode. And we just kind of want to give you a very cliff note understanding of (laughs) of what TCM is. So um, like the The theory of how acupuncture works is really not easy to translate into Western terms. Um, And the mechanisms by which acupuncture work is not really fully understood. They've been trying to understand how it works and they've been trying to understand the language behind it because we use words such as like the flow of chi, which is spelled Q-I, but it's pronounced chi like Um, C-H-E-E. But there's been over... Ten thousand research articles uh, looking at into the efficacy of acupuncture, and all of these articles have been published. They found that acupuncture helps for a lot of different ailments. Um, and acupuncture became more mainstream in the Western culture around the 1970s. There's been a lot of different groups of people that kind of brought it here. Um, Miriam Lee was an immigrant who came here from China, who was living up in San Francisco, using acupuncture to treat a lot of workers. There's the Black Panther, um, movement with the NADA protocol in Harlem. There's been a lot of small groups of BIPOC people that have brought the medicine here. Um, but it became kind of mainstream around 1970, um, Now, a lot of the research really in the Western is aimed at looking at how acupuncture, not only how it works, but how it works for pain. Because a lot of the acupuncture here on the Western Hemisphere is really more geared towards pain reduction. Although in China, they really use it. And not only in China, but, you know, Taiwan and a lot of Asian countries, they use it seamlessly and embedded in their hospitals. So it's as part... acupuncture is part of a treatment plan. It's not its own thing. It's not just, you know, pain management. It's actually for different things that people are going into the hospital for. It's also used as preventative medicine. So here in the Western hemisphere, we really just view it more as like pain for pain management, but it really does a lot more than that. Although acupuncture works seamlessly in hospitals in China where it's used as a treatment and prevent as treatment and preventative medicine. In the Western countries it's mostly associated in research for its pain reduction benefits.
0: But Maida, can I say something? Yeah. Go. This the research that you're talking about is just in the US, right? Because in China there's so much more research. It's just that it hasn't been translated or brought over to the US.
1: Oh, yeah, definitely. So like in China, because the people are because in the hospitals, acupuncture is used as another modality in the actual hospital. There's so much more data that they have in in the Chinese hospitals. And there's a lot more um, just research that has been happening that's just not translated. We don't really have access to it, like you mentioned, like that is translated here. Um, the 10,000 research articles are really just mostly US, UK mm-hmm. based. Uh, but yeah, there's a lot more research, definitely. I mean, with 2000 plus years, there's definitely a lot more research. And the research here, I also want to mention, it's a lot more, again, it's more for pain reduction benefits, but also they want to look at like the biomedical view of how it it uh, affects the body, like the how the body processes like the acupuncture so they look at the role of the nervous system the role of acupuncture with hormones and other psychological processes of the body's response to just the acupuncture Um, it proposes that stimulating acupuncture points can trigger various reactions in the body including releasing natural pain relieving chemicals modulating or regulating the immune system and regulating the autonomic nervous system. And just really briefly to recap what like the autonomic nervous system is, it's a response for regulating the involuntary functions of the body. So for example, like your heart rate, your blood pressure and digestion. And that could really be further divided into two branches, which is like the sympathetic. You'll hear a lot talking about the sympathetic nervous system Mm -hmm. and your parasympathetic nervous system. So your sympathetic nervous system is a fight or flight response and your parasympathetic nervous system is the rest and digest. So oftentimes when you come in for treatment, we're really trying to get you into that parasympathetic state, right? Like the rest Mm -hmm. and digest, because we see a lot of patients coming in with that fight or flight response. Um, So that's kind of a lot of what the research is really geared at seeing how Acupuncture can actually activate the parasympathetic system while reducing the sympathetic nervous system's response. Um, the acupuncture points are also believed to stimulate the central nervous system. And the central nervous system consists of the brain, the spinal cord, and all the nerves within your body. So by stimulating your central nervous system with acupuncture needles, you're really able to help. Cognition, like your brain function, right, your spinal cord mm-hmm. for like pain and just mobility, as well as like your nerves for like neuropathy or nerve damage and that kind of t- that kind of stuff
0: um, okay. So I just want to say that or clarify that we do not needle the nerves. like the point is not to put needles into the nerves. Um, it is just that the channels actually sometimes follow the nervous system pathway. So the way that the nerve travels, sometimes the, um, or a lot of times the channel follows the same nerve pathway. And we, by inserting needles into those points, we're able to stimulate and access those nerves.
1: Yeah. And just to kind of also clarify on that, too, like um, they've found that the acupuncture points actually sit uh, over areas that have multiple sensory neurons. So that's kind of so you're not really we're not really needling into nerves, but because they're sitting Mm -hmm. over like multiple sensory neurons that kind of stimulates the brain to kind of release these neurons in the into different pathways that help with the nerves and the pain and all those kinds of things. And yeah, these, these uh, sites where the acupuncture points are, are called receptive fields. So they just, they're, Nancy was mentioning like some of the channels run along certain like nerve pathways that help, but also a lot of the points are sitting over these receptive fields that, and this is the research that they've been finding recently in the Western culture, in the Western research of how they're able to kind of help for nerve pain without actually touching the nerve. Like to clarify, we're not needling into nerves and we're not needling into the spinal cord either. No. Um, And we're not going into your brain. These acupuncture points, they stimulate the central nervous system and the central nervous system consists of these areas, but we're not... Going directly into the area. So
0: I wanted to add. To make it very clear. We do not needle. The brain. We don't needle the spinal cord. We don't needle. Into your nerves. We don't needle into your blood vessels. We are trained. To not do these things. We are trained. To not needle your organs. And yes. This is another reason why you should. Get acupuncture from a licensed acupuncturist. <laughs> <laughs> and so, yeah, as we are needling these other places
1: that are not any of the places that Nancy just mentioned, uh, the acupuncture point sites release chemicals into the muscles and they release chemicals into the spinal cord and the brain. And these biochemical changes may st- stimulate the body's natural healing abilities and promote the physical and emotional Um, well-being. Again, this is just a very rough cliff note on how the acupuncture points just have all these receptors that are sent to the brain that release chemicals into the body that help for all these things. To,
0: To add to that, this is how I explain it to my patients. And when it was explained to me this way, I loved it. So you know when you get a paper cut. And before you know it, there's a scab. And we're just like, Oh, cool. Right. The body knew what to do. Same thing. Imagine the little microscopic, we can call it a tear that the needle does in your skin that signals to your body to bring in all its uh, blood to this area. And then your body uses its own resources to go and heal that specific site. So when it was told to me like that, I said, that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> and that does, that does make a lot of sense.
1: Mm-mm. Um, I do want to say that oftentimes there are either um, physical therapists or chiropractors or doctors who are doing acupuncture in quotation marks, but they're really in acupuncture. There's different meridians, right? There's different levels. Of we have like the muscle channel we have the primary channel we have different channels and so m- when they're saying that they're working on acupuncture they're actually just working on the muscle channel so they're just releasing trigger points but they're not really doing acupuncture because acupuncture is really a combination of it's a point prescription it's a combination of points put together um so as i was doing my research on on, on the western understanding of acupuncture they weren't using a singular needle in a singular spot and seeing like how that affects the nervous central nervous system it was a combination of points that were meant to release these like n- chemicals into the body that help with the pain so just keep that in mind whenever you are getting needles put in for on your like you know muscles that that's
0: not really acupuncture and I just want to echo what Maida is saying that I've gotten patients that say, I don't like acupuncture because it's painful. And then I say, well, who did you go see to get acupuncture? And then they say, well, I got a trigger, trigger point needling, um, a, a chiropractor or a PT or, and I'm like, well that style is painful because you are going into a knot and you're trying to break it up with the needle. However, that is not acupuncture because yes, like Maida said, acupuncture is a point prescription. We are dealing with different levels of channels. We're dealing with certain points that when you're, they're put together, it signals to your body how or actually what to focus on. So at the same time, we're, we're not just saying focus on this muscle, we're saying focus on this organ, focus on this, um, like calming down the nervous system, focus on hormonal issues. And it's not just one thing. It's uh, multiple things coming together to, re- to treat the root and the branch and the stem. We're treating the entire plant. So please, if you've only tried uh, trigger point needling, that is not acupuncture. So go see an acupuncturist. (laughs) And with that in mind, we wanted to share a couple examples of patients that we have seen and how this applies to how this concept of we're not just treating the muscle, but we're treating the physical body, the spiritual body, the mental body. Because, yes, the needle can treat all three things, um, depending on what points we put together. So the example that I wanted to give is I had this patient who came in to see me for very severe vertigo. When she came into the clinic, she was hunched over, uh, was having a really hard time walking. At first, just off of seeing her, I thought it was going to be severe back pain. So when she got on the table and she told me that the vertigo was so severe that she could only stand for around 10 minutes, I was shocked. <laughs> um, after talking to her longer is when I found out or she shared that she had been kidnapped and forced into marriage and this all led to her now being older and always having this life where it was about being in service to somebody else and not ever having the opportunity to just do something for herself. And when this person who kidnapped her left is when the vertigo started. Um, And I think it's just because all of those emotions and all of those unmet needs and all of that anger and resentment and fear that was never expressed started to come out and it expressed in vertigo. Which when I think about it, it's like this whirlwind, right? It's literally a whirlwind of experiences and emotion and unmet needs. And so that is when... I started to think about treating more of the mental, emotional side of things. Because in the beginning, you have to build a relationship with your patients. It's not something that patients feel comfortable sharing on the first treatment, right? Mm -hmm. So after a few treatments of just working on the vertigo itself, we got somewhere, but it wasn't as far along as I wished it would have been. And then when she had the courage to share this with me, and then I, we spoke about doing more emotional mental points to just help calm down the sympathetic nervous system, right? That fight or flight and help her be more into the rest and digest so that she can be relaxed even in her home. That was so helpful. And when we started to work on releasing grief, and releasing anger, that was really helpful. And when we were able to combine all those three together, that is when we saw the best results. And that is my example of why it's so important that we treat the physical, the mental, and the spiritual, emotional.
1: And Nancy, were you able to treat all of that like with the acupuncture? Is that kind of how you were able to treat all the things that she had coming up?
0: Well, the acupuncture played a big part. And for me, the way that I like to practice with my patients is that if we are going to go into emotional treatments, then I do ask my patients to make sure that they have a support system at home. So what does that mean? That does mean either therapy, a shaman, your... Spiritual group, your women's support group, you have something in place at home where if these emotions come out more, you have somebody to support you. Because for me, I feel that it's unethical of me to do these treatments on people and possibly open them up more or possibly have them remember new memories or possibly have them just have this like wave of emotion and I'm not going to be there to support you. So I want to make sure that you have somebody at home that you can talk to about these things. Um, So it wasn't just acupuncture. It was also um, therapy. And um, I think in this case, it was also a a church group.
1: Mm. And do you feel like you, you get patients who, when you tell them that you'd like for them to have a support group, do you find that like some people don't have a support group and you just don't go there with them?
0: Um, okay, so I find that most people don't have a support group, which I think is common in our Western society. I find it more common with men. And I, this isn't a conversation that we have in the beginning. So it's a conversation that we have after we have built a relationship and after a few treatments and there's more trust between us um, because it's not me, a doctor treating you a patient. It's we're a team. So mm-hmm. we're working together to figure out what the root causes and how to make it better. Um, and then once they feel comfortable sharing something like that, then I bring up this concept of there needs to be emotional support at home. And I find that people are more receptive at that point. And also because there's no judgment. Like people, not everybody believes in therapy and that's okay. I just need you to have something at home where, like I said, a shaman, a therapist, a priest, um, a women's group, a men's group, whatever it is.
1: Yeah, somebody to have your back in case things kind of come up and you need some support. And then you come and
0: see seek acupuncture once a week until we start seeing um, a difference. And then at that point, we start discussing, okay, maybe you should come now every two weeks. Or maybe you should come every three weeks or once a month. Because the point isn't for you to keep seeing your doctor. The point is for you to get better. And as much as I love my patients... You don't need to see me all the time, right? <laughs> like, I want you to get better and live your life and enjoy your life. Yeah. You want everybody to get better and be out there in their amazing selves. Mm-hmm. But what's your story, Maida? I'm really curious about this. Um. So, yeah, my story. Uh, I had a
1: patient who came in to see me because he was having back pain. He was, like, in his late 30s. He was a farm worker, um, is a farm worker. And he was having a lot of back pain, which is kind of common for a lot of the patients that would come in that are, you know, farm workers. And I did my assessment. I, he was positive for sciatica. So we were going to treat that. But as you know, our intakes are pretty involved. We don't just go like, oh, What's your pain? where's your pain? And that's all we do. We ask a lot more questions because we're treating the whole body. Mm-hmm. so i I went through all my questioning and he started talking about how he hadn't been sleeping for a couple months at that point, I think he'd mentioned it was like two months or something like that. So then I asked more mm-hmm. questions about his quality of sleep and how you know, how that was going for him, et cetera, et cetera. and as he just mentioned that it had been two months. He didn't really know why. He again, like you mentioned, like first treatments. Oftentimes, people don't know what to expect. They're coming in. They're they're kind of like what a little scared, probably mm-hmm. a little curious, probably a little bit of everything. So once he was on the table, and I was uh, putting needles, we kind of got to talking a little more. Then he, he mentions to me that he was diagnosed with cancer. I believe it was six months prior to him coming to see me. And so I obviously I started asking him about what kind of cancer it was, what treatment he had gone through. And he mentioned how it was in the, it was in a span of three months that he got diagnosed, got told he was going to die, got told that he had no you know, he, had, he was not going to be able to make it past like I think it was like a couple weeks.
0: That's he had to wait
1: months for surgery because, you know, everything was booked. And obviously they're making him wait, right? Like months because mm. they're like, well, you're going to die anyway. So we're, we're oh going to wait. Yeah. <laughs> so, that is so um, scary. Very scary. Very scary. And he was so terrified. He se confessed with all the priests he could find. Like mm. he had all his ducks in a row because he had family that needed Ooh. to get taken care of. I'm getting
0: chills girl
1: yeah we're treating his sciatica as he's like talking to me about this but you know he just mentioned how he was just like okay well I'm gonna die like any day now so let me just get everything set up and so he did he actually went in for surgery and then was told that it actually was just in a certain part he had colon cancer and he was just in a certain part of his colon so we're, they were, was, he was so fortunate. They were so lucky they were able to cut it out. And they did a bunch of screening posts that, and he was clear. In the span of six months where, like, you're going to die, you're dying tomorrow. Oh, it's not that bad. Oh, you're good now. And he was just, like, a wreck. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, the sciatica pain flared up around that time. I mean, there was just a lot of things. So... Was we were talking about this, his sleep, we realized that, or I real, I I started kind of asking him like, well, when did that happen, or what, why, what is it that you do when you can't sleep? I that was my question. What is it that you do when you can't sleep? Because I have patients who are who will be like, oh well, you know, I just have a huge to do list, so I'm like, you know, writing it down <laughs> in my all the things I didn't do in the day, or I'm <laughs> just mm-hmm. like. I'm thinking about that one person that like talks smack to me and I'm like how (laughs) I should have responded this time and then I like why didn't I tell her like (laughs) you know like you get all the different like stories of what Uh happens before they go to sleep when I asked him he's like I'm just like I'm just concerned I'm gonna die tomorrow I'm just Mm -hmm. thinking about like well did I do everything today to get set up for tomorrow? If I die Mm -hmm. tomorrow. And so that's when I was like, yeah, we really need to work on making him feel safe in his body again. Making him feel grounded, making him feel safe, making him feel like he's okay, you know, Um, Mm -hmm. and bringing down because he was completely operating on the fight or flight response. How could you not? Right. Like you get told you're going to die. So you're fully on that. You're fully on, like, I need to get all this ready before I die. Um, so, like you mentioned, I, the first treatment is, you know, we worked on the sciatic pain. And then I had him come back a week later. And we discussed if he had, like, you know, kind of similar to you. Like, you you want to have your people have people because we are mm-hmm. a team. We can't fully take. I mean, how can we fully take on this entire Like, we don't see the patients every day. They're not coming Mm -hmm. to see us. We're not on call 24-7. So if something comes up for you, we can't really just answer the phone and and guide you through whatever it is that needs to happen. So Mm -hmm. we talked about therapy. And, you know, by that point, I feel like we build rapport, like you mentioned, like you build rapport with patients. So they're a little more open. And as a guy, he was definitely, he had mentioned that they had offered that to him at the clinic that he had gone to, but... They never followed up with him on it. They just were like, oh, then, aquí están estos papeles what? y necesitas ayuda. Oh, no. Yeah, they never followed up on him to see if he had gotten any help or anything. So he mentioned, like, oh, yeah, they mentioned that to me, but I just, you know, like, I don't know. So I said, okay, do you, would you like me to help you kind of guide you through? So he brought his paper in with like his resources and we kind of narrowed down a couple that he kind of, sounded good to him like that resonated with him Mm -hmm. so he ended up getting um, a a therapist and he had his wife come in to see me because she he also wanted her as part of his team Mm -hmm. and she was also dealing obviously as her as his partner was dealing with her own share of things so eventually we ended up working on bringing him back bringing making him feel safe again that was ultimately our goal, just putting him on the rest and digest and just not so much on this, like, fight or flight response. And slowly his sleep improved and his sciatica was pretty much gone by, like, second or third treatment. Acute sciatica was not that hard to mm. treat when <laughs> when they came in. But um, the emotional stuff definitely was. And that's just kind of how the needles work, right? Like, we we worked on the physical body, which which it was... The sciatica pain, like the muscle and all that, but we also worked on the emotional, like level where he was really feeling unsafe.
0: Mm Hmm. Do you think that that was, um, what we call susto? Oh yeah. You know, because the way that I understand susto is como a little piece of your spirit is left behind at that event. And so then the work is like how to rejoin you so that you feel whole again. And it's not like your spirit is scattered.
1: Right. He was very scattered. He was on this like running and he was leaving pieces of himself at every event. Right. There was the event where he got told he had cancer. Then there was the event Mm -hmm. where he was told he wasn't going to make it. Right. And then there was like three months of waiting for this surgery that was maybe going to save him. And then not knowing So there were little pieces of him that were left in a bunch of those events. And so bringing him back, and that's why I said, like, grounding him and, like, making him feel, like, safe in his body. Because I think Mm -hmm. that's what a lot of patients that I, at least I've encountered, they don't feel safe in their Whatever event happened, X event happened that's traumatizing, they no longer trust their body. They no Mm -hmm. longer trust themselves. Whether physically, emotionally, spiritually, not, they're not connected. So connecting him up was super key and helping, hel- helping his own body realize he was safe and he can move forward whole.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, this is just such a good example of how it is not just about the physical body. Because let's say, like you said, the sciatica you took care of in what, like three treatments? Yeah. And if we were just to say like, okay, you're good, then imagine how much that stress that he was holding in his body and the lack of sleep and like all those, what is it? Like the fight or flight, right? The fight or flight of not knowing what or being in fear constantly, Yeah, it's a constant fear and a constant like, do I fight
1: this or do I run from this?
0: Imagine if that wouldn't have been addressed at all. What impact the lack of sleep and always being in fight or flight and in fear, all that, how it would impact his body in the long run.
1: Yeah, I mean, they say that stress is like one of the biggest uh, producers of diseases, right? Of like Mm -hmm. issues in the body, because when you're stressed, like you can't your body's not functioning optimally, your organs are not functioning optimally. So yeah, if you're mm-hmm. guarding, if you're holding, if you're constantly stressed, if you're constantly like, oh my god, am I gonna have to fight this? Or am I have to run from this? Like, where do I go? I don't feel safe. Like, it it just does not, it's not healthy for the body to constantly be in that state.
0: Mm-hmm. And then the other question is that, you know how there's that I don't know if it's a misconception or a stereotype that Latinos don't believe in therapy, right? Like, oh, es que eso es para, para los locos. Like, we don't do that. Um, I think that it's has to do with the fact that we don't know how to access the resources sometimes. Because, like you were mentioning with this patient, it's like, oh, yeah, I mean, I don't know if they're Latino, but yeah. that, that just kind of like sparked this in me that it's like, oh, I, I didn't know. They kind of mentioned it, but I didn't know how to access it. And a lot of times we're there guiding our patients through, like you said, paperwork or websites or here's some resources and they also speak your language or, you know. And I think that's a big part into getting people into resources, because a lot of times it's just that we don't know how to go about it.
1: Yeah, and I agree. I think you, we don't know how to go about it and I think that also there's not a lot of access to people who look like you, right? Like look mm-hmm. like us. So, when I was helping this particular patient who is Latino, we were looking at the names and we were trying to we were reading little bios, they had little bios on there, and he was choosing some that resonated with him and all the ones that pretty much resonated with him were like male Latino, guys mm-hmm. who who, said, who spoke Spanish. Because mm-hmm. that's his primary language. Mm-hmm. Um, but having the access also just like not being told, explained things. The fact that they just handed him paper, which is common, not just for, th- for like resources for therapists, but oftentimes we get patients, right? Like, I mean, at least for me, like that I'll get um, x-rays or MRIs mm-hmm. or CT scans or just anything, any results. And they'll hand them the results and they'll be like, oh, you're fine and that's mm-hmm. it like oh you're okay or oh you have sciatica or oh, you have high cholesterol that's it but they don't really like sit down and like explain like oh okay yeah you your levels for cholesterol are high this is what you can do to help it or you, and I'm not saying this is every doctor because obviously there are some amazing doctors out there yeah who do take the time who do explain but the majority of at least the patients that I've seen it's like they, they don't either get the access to the resources or explain the resources that they actually do have
0: yeah. And I think that is also part of the healing is that we take the time to know our patients, to delve deep into pretty much all aspects that they feel comfortable sharing with us. And then being able to guide them through certain processes or things that we have either been through ourselves or we're just able to research how to access better. So, yeah, one-stop shop, man.
1: <laughs> one-stop shop. I also <laughs> just want to mention that I do. I I I ended up getting a lot of male uh, patients, mm-hmm. and I realized because of the format in which at least I run my clinic, and just from from getting treatments from you, I know you run your clinic the same way where we're. We have a conversation with our patients. We ask them questions more than just, like, where's your pain? What's your pain level? I mean, those are important questions, right? Like, where's your yeah. where's your pain? What's your pain level? But we ask so many more questions. I've realized, at least in my own practice, with my male patients, would typically be a lot more hesitant to try therapy because of the stigma of, like, not knowing... They end up leaving treatment with me feeling like, hey, I kind of already talked to you. Like, what? Yeah. they? I'll be like, oh, have you thought about therapy? And they're like, yeah. why do I need therapy now? Like, I'm talking to you about my stuff right now, right? Yeah. Like, <laughs> do you get that? Do you have patients that say oh that? My God,
0: I get that all the time. They're like, oh, well, you're like therapy. And I was like, no, I'm not yeah. a licensed therapist. I'm not. This is not therapy. Right. Um, <laughs> no.
1: <laughs> yeah, no. And it's like, you have to explain we have to explain to them that we're not licensed therapists, that they need to go see somebody who is a licensed therapist because it's so mm-hmm. helpful. Um, but I do get a lot of patients who end up just saying, like, well, yeah, like I'm talking to you now. So why para que? Yeah, aquí. And I'm like, No, no, no. <laughs> no, 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 that is not happening. Um, but I do realize that they are a lot more open because they're mm-hmm. like, Hey, well, I'm kind of doing that with you. And then we have the conversation about how I'm not a licensed therapist and they I would like for them to go to a licensed therapist. They're like, okay, well, now that I know what that kind of feels like, even though I'm not a therapist, but they kind of got that like Mm -hmm. talking about their things with me, then they're more open to being like, okay, yeah, then let me go see some of these resources you're sharing with me Mm because I kind of got a little bit of a taste, even though it's not really
0: therapy. But I do see that they're a lot more open to it. Yeah, pienso que porque they have the opportunity to talk and just be their true selves and really, like, say what's happening. I don't think a lot of men get that opportunity as often. So the fact that they get it while we're treating them on the table and they're able to just voice themselves, then they realize, like, oh, this is how it feels to tell my truth, right?
1: Yeah. <laughs> like, I can do this. I can do because you know, I don't know if this is your experience, but once men start talking, they'll just keep going. Yeah. Just like...
0: They do. <laughs> and then I say, like, who do you talk to this about? And then most of the times they say pues nadie. And then I'm like, Why? And then, you know, there's a lot of reasons, but a lot a common one is well, I don't wanna burden my wife with this or I don't want to burden my partner and I don't want to scare my children and it's just something we don't do as men but I don't know I'm not a man but you know like I'm like no you should be able to talk about your things
1: yeah for the Latino like like macho figure is very like oh I'm tough and I don't Mm -hmm. talk about it you know but, I do realize at least in the treatment room they are they get very chatty, very, very chatty, so it's a lie that guys don't like to talk about their stuff like this whole like like gender sex difference like no they they talk, they just don't have the they just haven't found an avenue to talk, yes, yeah. yes, totally agree, yeah, um, so my holistically asked moment of the week was actually yesterday. Um And for all, of, for all of the listeners that know me and all the ones that don't, <laughs> I am not really big on asking for help or reaching out or whatever. And last night I was having a lot of pain and I was trying my little hardest to help myself with all my own resources, which usually help. But I was like, nope, I just can't. I don't I have like a mental block. I don't know what's going on. I need to reach out. And I'm not a big reaching out person, really. Uh, Usually people reach out to me like, hey, how can I help you? Or, hey, do you need anything? And then I'll be like, okay, maybe Um, so. But yeah, I was like, nope. I'm not feeling well. Something's going on. So I ended up reaching out actually to Nancy. And I was like, hey, Nancy, oh. this is what's going on.
0: <laughs> no wonder I was <laughs> like, this sounds familiar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I was like, oh, this is like, this is what's going
1: on. What do you think? What are your thoughts? Like help. And, you know, she delivered because she's amazing. And she was like, yep, this is what I think. And um, it was ended up really helping me but i think it's just a lesson for me it's just a lesson in like reaching out i recognizing like hey sometimes like we do we do need help and it doesn't it's not a reflection on the fact that like you know you don't know what to do or you're not good enough or i have this weird notion of like i always have to be like perfect in my mind and everything I do you know it's like I'm a recovering perfectionist right so like
0: (laughs) you and me Paul. (laughs) so I I feel like a lot of a lot
1: of us are recovering perfectionists so I'm like no I got it I got it and so anyway I was like nope you need help you're gonna reach out and I did and it was really helpful so thank you Nancy for being part of my holistically yes moment
0: oh my god did you did it like did you try it you did it I did try it. It did help.
1: It was okay, really helpful. Yeah. Thank okay. you. Okay. Yeah.
0: No. See, and Honestly, when you send a text like that, I'm like, this is not a drill. Como dices tú. <laughs> like, I know, like, this is legit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I
1: really do struggle reaching out. And it's just... I I have a big thing about not wanting to, like, burden people, right? And I'm like, no, I, I got it. I can do it. Mm-hmm. Um, But
0: it's just, you know, it's a lesson in, like, hey, sometimes... It's okay. Like reach yeah. out. Well, and thank you for reaching out. And no, you are not a burden. So <laughs> <laughs> you. now you know. <laughs> now I know. <laughs> so my holistically me moment of the week was that I had another person that I consider to be family um, reach out for help with something very heavy that normally I would have taken that on as my own that feeling I would have felt sad for the rest of the day I would have spent the entire day kind of thinking about them and how they're feeling and how they must be going through this and just researching and reaching for things on how I can give this to them or clean this for them or to like ease all these things without even being asked right um and this was the first time that I said no this is what they asked of me so I will just do that and I will be supportive through that process if they reach out then I will be supportive through that and this is not for me to carry So I was kind of like, what? I don't feel sad. I don't know. It's like a weird. Porque es como si me siento triste por lo que están pasando, pero al mismo tiempo no es mi tristeza. I don't know how to explain it.
1: So I can
0: empathize, but I'm not like in the sorrow.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think like, you know, like sometimes we can carry people's stuff.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: you can empathize but you don't have to like like fix it
0: yeah I don't have to fix it and it doesn't have to dictate my the mood of my entire week for example because that's what it would have been before it would have been an entire week or even a month sometimes of me being like I'm so sad because they're sad right Mm
1: -hmm. and it's like
0: no I'm I empathize And because I love them so much, I wish that they weren't going through this. And I, of course, I'm going to be there to support the best way that I can. And it's not for me to carry. Facts, girl. Speaking facts. (laughs) So I I was like, whoa, what? This is new. And it's growth. It's amazing. yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But that was my moment. Love it. Love love your moment. Well, with those two stories and our two moments of the week where we were holistically us, we want to encourage you to please share your stories of where you were holistically yourself this week. Feel free to leave a comment, sharing that with us. And we want to thank you so much for joining us on this episode. If you have any questions, as always, feel free to leave us a comment. Don't forget to subscribe to the channel. Give us five stars. <laughs> and leave a positive comment.
1: Yes, yes. Leave a positive comment. You can also follow us on Instagram at holisticallyus. Yes, that's H-O-L-I-S-T-I-C-A-L-L-Y-U-S. You can follow Nancy at Conexion underscore acupuncture. And you can schedule... an acupuncture appointment with her if you're in the Dallas area, she's amazing guys check her out, check out her hand. and you can also follow me on my journey to building my new acupuncture practice which is going to be opening next year um, at mm-hmm. Flores Set Acupuncture
0: y ahí nos vemos en el próximo capítulo adios, adios. everybody